0: See users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll have Adam Inks of Tidbits. A little bit later on the show, we'll hear from Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer, and there's a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. But first, before we go on, I'm gonna ask Adam about his rather, shall we say, minimalistic <coughs> interest. <laughs> In TV sets, all this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. Now, the reason I mentioned that minimalistic is that his managing editor, Josh Centers, is quite the reverse. He's author of Take Control of Apple TV, except he doesn't like Apple TV, evidently. So that's a good start right there. Now, he has a 4K set, a Sony, I believe. You are the kind of person who just buys a set When it's absolutely necessary, the previous set is not working, or it's just everything is so old-fashioned and behind the eight ball that you just got to get the new set.
1: Yeah. Or you have
0: $400 burning
1: a hole in your pocket. I, I think I've owned four TV sets in my life, and I'm 50. So you know, it's just one of those things where the first one we got for, um, I believe, uh, five dollars at a, uh, a garage sale, and replaced a fuse, and that so it worked. The second one we, we actually got for our wedding was a nineteen, no, a twenty-inch Sony Trinitron. You remember the old CRT tube ones? I own one of the first Sony <laughs>
0: Trinitrons, and this had to have been in the mid '70s, I think. Or maybe uh-huh. earlier, but one we of on the early ones, and I remember it distinctly because you have to think of how much I spent. It cost me a thousand dollars today. If I had bought a set
1: like that, it would be what four thousand, five thousand? <laughs> sort of the care. And we had that one for years and years and years. And actually, the only reason we replaced it is I didn't buy this one. I actually won at a trade fair. I won a, a Dell 23-inch LCD TV, which was actually just wider than the Sony. It wasn't any taller. We only used it a little bit. It wasn't really very good quality, which is why it was a, a free giveaway, I think. But it did make it clear that, wow, having new ports and being able to connect stuff was, was a help. I can't remember. Maybe now, eight years ago, we bought a, f- I don't know, 50-inch Panasonic, I think. And I could barely tell you anything about it. I'm sure it's not 4K. I'm sure it's not HDR. Because there was HDMI. no such thing as 4K yeah. and
0: HDR yeah, then.
1: Precisely. You know, I mean, and am I going to replace a perfectly good 50-inch TV set for the kind of stuff I watch? No, it's not like not like random TV on Netflix is going to going to be shockingly better or anything like that. So, I think there's probably true for a bunch of people out there. It's just like just not that involved. I don't need to spend another thousand dollars on a TV set or even five hundred dollars on a TV set. Consider it this way also, which is unfortunately.
0: True, with 4K. And that's why the HDR equation gets to be so complicated. You have a 50-inch TV set. If you get back like 10 feet or so away from that set, you won't see 4K. It's the retina display kind of thing. You won't see the 4K. It won't show a difference. Where you will see it is maybe the picture quality on the 4K set might be better, but maybe not. HDR, it will be, just like Apple has kind of an HDR thing going on. So if you look at your recent iPhones compared to the iPhones of a couple of years ago, things look nicer. The color balance is better, everything like that. So that's what you'll see. Otherwise, 4K is a myth, and the cheap sets don't really have HDR. There are two HDR standards, Nothing works the way it should. So if you want to have HDR, even if it says HDR10 or Dolby Vision, you see, I could remember this, folks, and I have no idea why. But why they have to do this to confuse people, you don't know. And sometimes just because you have it, maybe you have your HDMI port is the wrong version, so it doesn't pass the HDR signal. You see, the way I get away with it, let me just be brief about yeah. this, Adam, because I don't want you to spend time on the TV after this. Just one response is all we need. The way I get away with it, is I have that Vizio 2017 M series they sent me to review for, to hold on forever if I just mention I'm reviewing it. And it has the HDR 10 and the Dolby Vision, but it has built-in Google Chromecast, which is what they call Smartcast. And if you run those apps like Netflix or Hulu or any of those things with 4K, you don't have to worry about HDMI because it's passing it through direct to the TV set from your online connection. Or you cast it from your iPhone or your Android phone. So it's bypassing HDMI. You don't care about this. It passes HDMI. And you do see a difference. I tell you, you do see a difference. The rest is a mess. It's a mess. And this is the problem with the TV industry. And this is why some suggest still after all these years that Gene Munster was right, Apple should have built their own TV set. What do you think?
1: You know, there's a lot to be said there. You know, when actually when Josh was working on this article, at some point we had to have a call because he said, I've got all this stuff and I can't even say that it's working. You know, like after I've done all this nonsense. And so we ended up casting the article in such a way to say, here's what you need to do in theory, but this space is such a disaster that, in fact, you know, we can't even guarantee this will work for you. That's really the answer of, should Apple come up with a TV set? No, it's not going to be the big, you know, a big winner necessarily because people don't buy these things all that often. But if having it all just work is the goal, that's how you get it to work. As you said, the Google Google Chromecast stuff built in, it just works because you've taken a whole bunch of variables out of the equation. It's enough to drive you completely crazy. But Apple's not going to do that. Apple is not going (laughs) to do that. Just on principle at this point, because Gene Munster's been asking for it for so many years.
0: You know what? Tim Cook will probably have a press release out there, you know, after assuring everybody that Siri is great. Despite those ex-employees who say it was a mess and despite one of the former Siri leads who said it was really good, but one of the Apple executives who was involved in Apple Map. No, you want to get into that too? You see what I'm doing? It's just changing subjects. I think here Apple could have a release saying, Gene, give it up. But that's not talking to me. It's the other Gene Munster, the one who has the money. Now, I don't think they're going to do anything. I think that train has left the station. I don't know what Apple's going to do. I mean, we know they're going to let you stream 4K content for no increase in cost. We know they're going to continue, evidently, to invest in Apple TV. But if there's a long-range plan, I don't know what it is. I can't see a reason for an Apple TV because I have the TV set with the built-in Netflix and 4K and HDR, I think. And therefore, I don't need that. Apple TV has no value to me because the only... Movies I got from iTunes were transferred or copied over to movies anywhere, so I can watch them anyway. It
1: does feel as though the Apple's running into a slight problem where all the TVs are smart TVs now. The standalone boxes, like the Apple TV, there's a lot less reason for them, because we have TVs that can do almost all the same things, and yes, the interface may not be quite as good, but it's good enough. And people aren't going to go to a whole lot of effort to buy another box and learn another box and hook it up and fight with it and all that if it's good enough and it just works.
0: With the Vizio and other sets do the same thing. You push a button. It says Netflix or whatever yeah. button you want to push. And now you got Netflix. And then there's a list of apps, by the way, in there. You have some of them on your remote. The others just change your input to SmartCast. The interface, to me, is not that much different from the older Apple TV, you know, the third generation, all that. Go through Netflix. It's about the same thing. It's not that different. It's not that difficult to do what I did with the Apple TV. I have an Apple TV sitting there I'm going to sell on an eBay. So there goes the Apple TV. I don't know what Apple's going to do there. I'm also wondering about the TV programming. And I guess you have a TV set anyway, so you might be interested in that. These TV shows, which they confirm they're going to do, they're not telling us How they're going to distribute them, I'm kind of thinking it's gonna be a value add-on for Apple music. People are not gonna buy an Apple TV just to watch five or ten new shows a year. It's enough to go to CBS All Access and spend what? Five ten a month so you can get Star Trek Discovery. We got more to come with Adam Inks. I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in the tech night out live. (laughs)
2: That's
3: R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com.
4: I tried other brands, but I came back to my sunshine.
3: For the best hot or cold pain relief, get the best. Get a Sunny Bay heating pad.
5: Sometimes life can be a pain in the neck or back shoulder
3: and the best relief for that pain is a sunny bay heating pad did you know that the american college of physicians said that one of the best ways to treat muscle pain is heat therapy sunny bay heating pads are handmade with high quality can be used at home or at work and have a lifetime 100 positive rating on both amazon and etsy
6: why take another pill
3: many people use our sunny bay heating pads alone and got rid of the neck pain long distance travel or long hours in front of a computer can take its toll on your body See why our homegrown small business at sunny-bay.com has tried to help people just like you get your sunny bay heating pads at sunny-bay.com that's sunny-bay.com or call 253-678-1361 for hot and cold therapy sunny-bay.com
0: So what's Apple going to do? I mean, you'll watch the Apple shows if they're good, right?
1: Mm, I don't know. I haven't watched any of the ones so far
0: because <laughs> well, the ones so far are carpool karaoke and <laughs> battle of the who's it, what's it? I don't know. I don't even know what the shows are. Wasn't it an app? Planet of the Apps. Right, another dumb title. And then you think they're going to spend a billion dollars on this, which is by way a fraction of what Netflix spends. What are we going to do? What shows can we possibly produce? We can make a deal with Steven Spielberg. We'll hand him a check. He'll do something for us because Steven Spielberg likes to do work for checks. So what are we going to do? We're going to take a TV show, an anthology show, from the 1980s. It only lasted two years. And we're going to bring it back, called Amazing Stories. Why do we want to see a TV show that failed? 30 years ago and bring back the failed TV show from 30 years ago.
1: One of the things that I think is important to to think about here is that just because Apple is doing something with content is actually meaningless. Apple is a hardware and device company. And so the fact that Apple produces some content literally has no meaning because if it's a genre or actors and directors that I like, I might watch it. And if it's not, I won't. I don't care who makes something, and no one really does. As you say, it's going to be some way of differentiating slightly, but that only matters when it's a hit and or a a universe that everyone wants to watch. I mean, CBS All Access with Star Trek Discovery is a perfect example. I thought about it. I'd like to watch it. But am I gonna pay an extra, you know, whatever just for one show? And
0: no, it's worse there not. too because what you pay depends on how many commercials you want. You want an ad free version, limited commercials you pay I think five ninety nine. You want commercial free, it's what, nine ninety nine? For one show,
1: fifteen episodes so far. I think that's the entire season. And that's the best example right? That's the thing that people are just going to watch because it's Star Trek. There's very, very little else that, that is even at that level. So I don't want to say what Apple's going to do is bad or good or anything else because I don't, I don't know. And I don't, in some ways, I don't really care. If it happens, it happens. I can't see it making a difference much one way or the other. You know, as you say, they don't really have a video spot for it. They could put it into Apple Music. But that's kind of funny, isn't it? Isn't this? Isn't that a bit like uh, you know doing the whole thing with having iTunes be everything to all people? We can talk more about this too. But they just bought Texture, right? They bought a magazine subscription service. And what are they going to do with that? Are they going? And they, you know, Eddie Q sort of said they were going to be using it in Apple News, but news and magazines are sort of different things newspapers and magazines and you know whether you read one article in one place or you know a whole magazine is a completely different approach it feels like they are kind of once again mixing and matching in a whole bunch of different ways that don't necessarily fit
0: what can i say i just wonder about what apple is doing there i also wonder why produce tv shows because we have too many we have a surplus of tv shows We have tons of stuff at Netflix. I have right now two or three shows I haven't caught up with yet. I'm not up with Netflix. I've never watched Amazon because I don't have the time. I've never joined anything else because I don't have the time. I'd like to watch Star Trek if CBS comes to its senses and puts it back on regular network. I understand they wanted to make it the flagship and build up subscriptions. I just think that they're cheating all the Star Trek fans out there and they're going to have to relent eventually because I can't see any prospects for that service. None of this makes sense. I think the quality of TV scripted dramas is excellent. Performers, scripts. I have 20 shows on my TV set and I've got a limited cable TV package. I have 20 shows on the DVR I haven't gotten to yet. I don't see anything in what they promise. Another TV show from Ronald D. Moore, a Battlestar Galactica. Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon? What?
1: Well, it might even be good. That's not the point. The point is that this isn't what Apple really does. Netflix, even Hulu, they need to do the original programming because otherwise they're dependent on everyone else for everything. You could argue that Apple's in the same same boat. But the fact is, is that that's not Apple's primary business. I just don't think that they can, they can to have the appropriate level of focus and desire in some ways without it being their primary business. In other words, if it's about the iPhone, Apple's all in 100%. But when you get off into the edges of these things, they're just going to do stuff that it's going to be one-offs. It's like going to be like the Apple TV, right? They're going to they'll it'll have a splash and then it'll go away. it Yeah,
0: I think though, I think it's going to be a way because it's what they've already done kind of Of enhancing Apple Music and setting aside another difference. You get all the music, millions of tunes, plus you get 10, 12 new TV shows a year, a value-added extra as part of Apple TV. So you can play it through, as part of Apple Music. So you can play it through your TV with Apple TV. I guess you could airplay it, you know, through... Something else. I don't know. What is AirPlay Two? How does it differ? How does it relate to HomeKit? And how does that relate to HomePod? I'm going to go into a home trying to figure this out. I, that's what I see is the only way you can really distribute this without locking people into an Apple TV. Besides, what is it now with one of the. Streaming TV services, TV, are one of those where if you pay three months in advance, you get a brand new Apple TV yeah. that is worth like 50% more than you're paying. So you get yourself a cheap Apple TV. Yeah,
1: and It's one of the 4K, 4K ones. So that's that's uh, right. That's I mean, it's a good $1. price.
0: It's like $105 for the one that costs $179. But why does it cost $179 if I pay $100 for a top-line Roku? which probably is of
1: similar quality. Or you have all those features in your TV built in because it's a smart TV that's halfway decent. Something's got to give. And what I think is going to be giving is honestly is the standalone boxes.
0: Well, that I can see no future. I think it's going to be a diminishing market. And I think the TV makers are smart to team with like Google or maybe Roku to provide their interfaces for their TV streaming. One reason is this way it's about the same for everybody. And therefore, people don't have to learn something new. They don't have to invest in it. I think Roku has the advantage there. The TCL sets, they're inexpensive. They're really good quality. And you got Roku. And it's just like having a regular Roku. The TV set-top box is a diminishing quantity. And remember, too, a lot of the cable TV services are adding Netflix. Netflix. They haven't added 4K yet. They're on the verge, I think. DirecTV and Dish Networker have 4K. And you'll see within a couple of years that cable TV providers will have 4K. They'll offer Netflix and maybe a few other value-added extras as part of their service and take a cut. You know, it's like free money to them. Yeah. You know, I mean, Cox on their Contour 2 box for Cox Communications, they got Netflix, Now, again, it's not 4K Netflix. It will be in the future, future version of the box. Cable TV makers are not making the money. This is a way of keeping the customers from jumping ship. And it's free money because Netflix hands them a check and they're not going to get throttled. We don't have to worry about the end of net neutrality. They're not going to get throttled and watch, you know, Hulu will join them. Because NBC owns Hulu. You notice how confusing this is?
1: Oh, let's get to another subject. Let's get the HomePod. That's confusing enough. It keeps coming back to the fact that there's just not enough time to watch all the stuff that's out there. More to come with Adam Inks on the Tech Night Out Live.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
14: With uncertain times in the United States, it's only prudent to consider storing precious metals in a safe place outside of our borders. At Miles Frank Limited, we have done just that for you. Partnered with the most respected storage company in the industry, Miles Franklin Limited is proud to offer the only fully insured private safe deposit box system in North America, held in Vancouver and Toronto send us your previously purchased precious metals or have one of our brokers help you purchase something new questions please call one of our experienced brokers at 866-485-4346 solid foundational storage partnered with the most respected name in security that's miles Franklin Limited. celebrating our 29th year in business without ever receiving a customer complaint call us at 866-485-4346 again That's 866-485-4346. Miles Franklin Limited. A name you can trust.
15: If you owe money to the IRS, you need to hear this. The IRS is cracking down on those who owe back taxes. It starts with a devastating letter. And if you don't act immediately, you could find yourself having your wages garnished or have a lien placed on your property. But there's a solution. Tax 10,000 can help. Avoid enforced compliance, where these holds on your income and seizure of your home could become a nightmare that just won't end. Call 800 239 9957 now and speak to one of our experts. 800 239 9957 is the number to link you directly to a tax resolution specialist who will negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. Working through the IRS Fresh Start Program, all the forms will be handled for you. All you have to do is make the toll free call. 800 239 9957. Find out if you qualify and possibly save yourself thousands of dollars, not to mention a lot of headaches. It could be the best call you've made today. That number again, 800-239-9957. The service does not provide tax settlement or legal services. We will refer you to a company that does provide such services. Often the IRS will not agree to any reduction in the amount owed. Not all taxpayers who owe more than $10,000 will qualify for a tax reduction program.
5: You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: So I'm not trying to confuse you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm showing you how absurd this entire thing is. Not that I have a problem with Apple Music or Apple adding TV shows. I just think the Apple TV is a diminishing market, Roku will stay in business because they'll license the technology to other people. So they'll stay in business. There you go. And then, of course, the cable TV and satellite makers will begin to offer more and more of the third-party sets to keep you from jumping ship and cutting the cord and getting some of the money themselves, free money. HomePod. You got a HomePod? I do, yeah. Okay. The big criticism I read about HomePod, other than, of course, the fact that Siri is under power, we can talk about the Siri Follies in a moment. But with HomePod, they say the audio is bassy, kind of
1: Oh yeah. Sorry, I didn't, didn't hear that. Yeah, it is. And I suspect that's probably intentional because a lot of people like that with that kind of music. My understanding is the beats' headphones are, um, tend to be heavy on the bass, and so it's possible that the same, kind of, the same audio designers uh, were involved in that. So, overall, it feels to me like the audio is quite good. It is not as good as what probably you and I are used to from the old days, which is, you know, an actual stereo system with good stereo speakers. But it's not bad. It's certainly better than any other little Bluetooth speaker you've, you've seen or, you know, better than playing from an iPhone or anything like that. I don't think that's, I don't think you're getting it because it's the ultimate audio at this point. Think you're getting it because it's an interesting combination of good audio, good access to Apple Music, and some Siri capabilities as well.
0: You know, it's one of the things that could be fixed. A software update can add an EQ feature, yeah. and you can and- basically say Siri, less bass, and the problem is gone. It doesn't have to be that much less bass. I understand it's really slight. Even Beats headphones are better than they used to be in terms of bassiness. So yeah. I think it's something that can be fixed easily. And I think Apple could, if they see the need, work on that. I don't know, of course, about leaving the rings from the silicone <laughs> base on oiled and waxed wood. That's another discussion we can have. But I think they can address that if they wanted to. I agree with you about old-fashioned stereo because... I, at one time, did a gig as a, the writer of manuals for an audio company. And this goes back to, like, the late 80s, early 90s, before I started writing for Macworld magazine. And I wrote for Carver Corporation, which is long, long gone. But he allowed me to buy some of his best gear for half price. Like the amazing Platinum Mark IV loudspeakers, six feet high, four subwoofers, a six-foot ribbon driver in each one these were huge humongous beautiful speakers there's no way because these speakers cost several thousand dollars there was no way that a 349 speaker system would exceed it on the other hand was something like the HomePod, it's got this auto configure feature where it has all these microphones and it can configure itself to the room reflections, to the room in which you place it. Is it a dead room? Is it a live room? That's a great feature. Now combine that with a speaker that has a more balanced audio, and I think they'd have a winner.
1: Adam? I, I think that I mean, I think putting too much emphasis on oh it's a bassy speaker, who cares? You go listen to it, you decide if you like it. There is no right or wrong here. And and the fact is that it will depend on the type of music you listen to, it will depend on your space, it will depend on your ears. There is not it is not bad, right? And it is not Guaranteed that everyone agrees that oh my gosh the HomePod is hu- super bassy. This is not a you know this is not some kind of ghetto blaster shaking your car or something. It's just a speaker. It's a good speaker. Go listen to it if you like it. It's fine. If you don't like it, so be it. You know don't stress. You know this is not this this isn't there's no there's no 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 Holy grail here of something that has to be perfect, and that everyone would agree is perfect. So, so I really don't think that's anything really worth stressing about at all. Um, More concerning is the fact that, you know, if Apple's going to be building this thing as a smart speaker and incorporating Siri stuff into it, it needs to do a better job. In some places, it does very well, and there are some things that it's just really good at. Like, in fact, it makes a great speakerphone, but you can't initiate a call on it. You've got to transfer a call from your iPhone, which is just stupid. You know, why would it be that you can't say, you know, hey, Siri, call my wife? You know, that should be built in.
0: Well, that's the thing I also worry about, and this gets back to the Siri follies, and that is, after all these years, the promise for iOS 11 that Siri would be better, why have an underpowered Siri for HomePod?
1: I don't know that it's so much underpowered. Um, I think it's more that, because it, it's not that much different than other than, than Siri on other devices. I mean, you know, the Apple TV Siri is slightly different. HomePod Siri is slightly different. Um, the Apple Watch is Siri is slightly different. But usually that makes sense. Um, there's things that they can't do because of the of the platform. It, it's more that I think that Apple, um, and there was a big article to making the rounds on this, that that Apple really has not done what it needs to do with Siri. That the initial technology was impressive for its time and you know if we believe the what's been said you know apple has yet to kind of tear it down to the base and build it back up and in the modern world that just because something was done well you know six years ago or whenever it was i can't remember the exact date that does not mean that the, even that code base should stick around
0: so the key thing here is that apple started out in a pretty decent place. And supposedly, if you read the complaints, which I'll get to in a moment, it didn't scale up so well, and they didn't make it better over the years or better enough to meet the improvements of Alexa from Amazon and Google Voice. You read the piece in that publication, what is it called, The
1: Information? The Information, yeah. It was a very well-researched article. and. You know, I think the you know, the criticism, you know, if if this is indeed the case, is certainly matches with what we've seen. You know, was the Siri didn't get better. Apple, you know, has always been bad about opening things up to to others, but that's been a real problem. I mean, you can't use Siri to do hardly anything other than Apple provided capabilities, whereas, you know, Amazon has, I don't know, 25,000 skills or something like that, that, you know, that third parties have been able to add, and Google's working in that direction as well, because those are companies that don't, you know, don't try to control the horizontal and the vertical.
0: We can control the horizontal, we can control the vertical, it sounds like something from the Outer Limits. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, it just led to that. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, I've been trying to use Siri pretty heavily um, for one specific task, which is to add reminders to lists or add items to a reminders list. And it's truly annoying because Siri will actually even recognize what I say pretty well. And then what I say will be changed by reminders. So, you know, I'll say to, you know, ask so-and-so about the article and um and Siri will will drop the verb. Or sorry, uh, the reminders will drop the verb. Siri will have it just fine. It'll clearly have recognized what I said. And then the reminder that's created you know, will drop one or more words related to what I said, making it sometimes almost impossible to understand what the intent was. And that's the kind of thing where it's just not necessary, right? They're like, they're actually doing work to make it worse.
0: We're going to have some more work to do in the next segment of the Tech Night Owl Live.
2: coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s dot com
12: looking for that edge during those intimate moments we see many ads for enhancement but the side effects include death
5: You're listening to The Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: So Siri is going to do like the quick brown fox, but they'll say the quick fox. Yes. All right. I haven't seen that. But on the other hand... I did notice a couple of things about Siri. And the first, of course, I'll get to you in a moment, but I use Siri primarily for alarms. Say an alarm for, you know, 5 p.m. I'm going to take an afternoon nap for a half hour, which I do sometimes when you get to be my age. You do it when you can because you don't sleep as well. But I also discovered something else here. Of course, you have in the more recent iPhones, you have like a, hey, Siri kind of thing. Now, when you first set that up, you go to Siri and search and you have the, you know, listen for those two words. But I did notice here it was not responsive after a while. So what I did is I learned that to reset it, you turn it off, listen for those two words and turn it on again. It will take you through the setup process. And doing that the second time where you basically say that word plus a few other words to tune it it becomes, it's like resets itself, becomes more sensitive, more responsive, and works better. So for example, hey Siri. Well, you see how that worked. You hear it? (laughs) Well, maybe if I get past that, let's try it again. Hey Siri. Okay, so if I don't have the preference up, it works fine. It became more responsive and more accurate. So maybe retune it. Maybe that will help. I haven't encountered the missing words feature. I know my wife sets her alarm for the morning, and she has a fairly recent iPad, iPad Air 2, which now is obsolete, but it was so thin and light when it was first out. And she sometimes sounds
1: like she's going to cuss out Siri. All she wants to do is set an alarm. One of the things that people uh, don't know about setting alarms with Siri, actually, is that you can name alarms. And then you can change them. Sure. If you say set an alarm, you'll get them. You'll just get alarm after alarm after alarm. You'll have hundreds of them. I think she um, has 2000 now, I think. Right. Um, so my alarm, I have I have one alarm called floating and floating is basically I don't need to get up at a specific time most days. So floating is when I'm you know, going to the airport, or it can be even in the middle of the day when I, like, I know I need to go do something at a particular time, and it's not for whatever reason, not on a calendar. And I can say, Siri, change floating to 7.30 a.m. And for the longest time, that worked perfectly. And actually, more recently, I've actually had some, I mean, sounds like I may, in fact, sh- I perhaps I should be resetting Siri because I sometimes will, as It sounds like your wife. I will have arguments with it because you know, like I don't have an, you know, an alarm called you know voting. <laughs> it's like no, I didn't say that. It is quite frustrating sometimes when Siri is not hearing you properly, and I do think that Apple, frankly would also do well. It sounded from that article and the information that they had initially um, seen Siri as something you would have a conversation with. And there's only a couple of places where that happens. So you can say, Siri, make a reminder. And then Siri will say, what, what would you like me to remind it of? And then you say that. And then it's like, when would you like to be reminded? So there's a little bit of conversation. but But most of the time, it's not worth doing that. You just say, Siri, make a reminder to call Gene at 2 p.m. on Friday. And it will do it just fine.
0: Then Siri will come back and say, what do you want me to call (laughs) Gene? No, it will actually say which Gene. Okay, so you see, I kind of had the idea there, but it didn't work. Okay, but here's the thing I want to look at with Siri as opposed to the nuts and bolts. And that is this article in the information. And we're talking here about what a dozen former siri employees who worked for apple and say it was a complete nightmare the way it was implemented that they just got it all wrong or had the wrong focus they blame steve jobs because evidently he had a certain focus that even after he died they kept that focus because basically siri debuted the day what after steve jobs died or the day before i forget
1: after
0: yeah okay so this was for the iphone 4s And it was Mark Beta. I don't know if you remember. It was Mark Beta, but never said that way. I mean, when they ran the commercial with Samuel L. Jackson, you will listen to me with that attitude. And Siri listened to him because everybody would. You know, they didn't say it's a beta. So these people, it was directed by two executives, including Scott Forstall, who also were working on Apple Maps. And we know how that turned out. So there you have here is there was infighting, lack of direction, all this other stuff from these ex-employees who are anonymous. But then it gets to be pretty crazy because there's an email response from a guy named Williamson who was one of the executives, the guy who worked under Forstall. And I guess he's blaming the employees for getting it wrong. And then one of the former Siri people has a tweet saying, no, 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 you know, we got it right. And but to see the thing that bothers me also here is a lot of the Siri people left Apple over the years. The people because Apple bought the company called Siri, and uh, I think they were using technology. What was the company that was making those dictation software? Nuance. Nuance, and Nuance had so Nuance had this software and i think some of the technology was incorporated in siri is that correct i'm not sure um yes early on, I yeah, think early, on. So early on so early on they needed technology and they probably licensed something but here's the thing what achievements have the former siri executives made since they left apple it's very important we have a company called was it viv or something which is yeah. bixby for samsung that's samsung's virtual assistant how could this bixby no one mentions it because it's lousy what has the have these people done the people from siri who left apple what have they done that's any good since they left apple
1: do you know i uh, that's the first i'd heard of it so no yeah you mean, think about
0: it for a moment we know about bixby which is no good
1: So it looks to me like Apple had
0: a good idea, which was to have a virtual assistant. And maybe Siri was about the only game in town at the time. And they maybe overestimated. This is highly speculative. They overestimated what it could do. All right. Okay. Uh Okay. Now. Before we go on here, and I'll read some of the quotes, the tweets online, I think Apple just shows the wrong technology. Now, I'm quoting here from Dag Kitloss, a member of the Siri team, mm-hmm. and he's responding to what this guy Williamson said about the Siri team. And he said this statement wholly false was made by the architect and head of the biggest launch disaster in Apple history, Apple Maps. In reality, Siri worked great at launch, but like any new platform, under unexpectedly massive load, required scaling adjustments in 24-hour workdays. Brian Chen of the New York Times. As an early reviewer of the iPhone 4S, I definitely remember Siri working great at launch, especially when only about a dozen of us reviewers were grilling it with questions. It wasn't until a huge amount of people started using Siri... That had reliability problems. So I guess the story there about serious problems is that it wasn't the technology being bad; it was the scaling up, which has continued to be a problem for
1: Apple. Uh, who do you believe? Is really tricky. And it is worth noting that for many things where Apple is taking criticism, there's just some article about how like the Apple stores are, you know, incredibly overcrowded now. Blah blah blah. The Apple is scaling things to levels that have never been done before. That when you have a billion devices in the field, you know, your support, your sales, your backend technologies, all sorts of things are scaling to levels which you have to invent these things. And sometimes, you know, inventing the way of scaling something, you know, you don't know if it's going to work until it works or doesn't, as the case may be. So, yeah, I mean, scaling, scaling's hard and, and, you know, no one necessarily knows how to do it well at this point. And there's really only, you know, two or three other companies out there who have any level of uh, uh, experience at the same point, you know, Google, Amazon, Facebook, um, Microsoft, you know, that's about
0: it. And nobody says Cortana is great. And consider Amazon. We think Amazon's great because of the Echo. Amazon's traffic for Alexa is a fraction of the traffic yep. that Apple gets for Siri. Bear that in mind. We're talking about the Siri follies with Gene Steinberg. I mean, you're in the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah. Welcome back to Get Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene! Yeah, it's him. Google, I don't know what kind of traffic the Google Voice gets, but remember, most Android phones are cheapy things where people aren't going to be really using the digital assistance. i suspect because of apple's audience and the publicity for siri it gets a higher load which is what apple i think said in their response to the information piece that more people try siri than the other platforms they're trying more than google voice because remember most android phones are cheap junk they're certainly trying more than alexa because how many units Amazon Echoes, have they sold, what, 20, 25 million? And Apple has how many hundreds of millions of iPhones? Yeah, it's nowhere near.
1: So this is the problem. This may still be all about scaling. I mean, I will say that probably Google um, is in the same general ballpark because their stuff, their voice stuff is spread well across lots of different platforms and apps. Uh, And honestly, it works better you know if if you do a if you do a a search in on your iPhone and then you do a search in the Google app in your iPhone the Google app will do a better job it just it just does but Apple also doesn't have the same kind of back end of content that Google has and Google can do a lot more checking to compare what you're saying against previous things you've searched for, for instance, as a way of figuring out which words you've really said when it's not clear. This
0: is because of the fact that Google isn't giving you the same level of privacy. Now, Apple's excuse is machine learning is somehow going to compensate
1: you know i it just doesn't seem to work very well in comparison <laughs> you know when i as it when I'm doing searches, the fact that Google knows things about me because i am ha- I, you know I do all of my searches via Google makes the fact that Google can recognize what I'm saying much more accurate than what Apple's doing, and there's no question that Apple is gathering lots and lots and lots of data um on you know on what I do but because of the way they are trying to you know trying to maintain privacy and whatnot it i think it hurts their accuracy there is a trade off there
0: well that's something i hope they will fix now if they just put in machine learning with iOS 11 as of late September it may take a year or two to really nail this down i'm sure that apple has got plenty of money they're investing plenty of money. They don't want Siri to be third best.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No question that Apple's not, uh, not sitting still. I don't know how much Siri
0: has improved. I know they did a test during the early stages of iOS 11, kind of in the public beta stage, where they compared it with Google and Alexa, and it was inferior, but not sh- humongously inferior. But maybe what's called for is to retest it now and say, okay, machine learning's
1: been here since September. Gotten any better? You know, I mean, I, one thing that was interesting in the information article that I had not heard before, but I was actually, but it did actually not jive with what i had been led to understand initially was that the idea that siri would be revised like once a year sort of more like an operating system as opposed to because it's a back-end system that it should just improve all the time and it makes no sense to me that there would have been this this release when you could improve it in small ways all the time and so that really you know if that's the case then that would be true you know you 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 know, all this information will be going into Siri. Apple could be improving and improving and improving it behind the scenes. But no one sees that until they release a whole new version of iOS or whatever, you know, release date that the Siri is on, um, you know, the Siri code base is on.
0: Right. But remember, also, iOS has been getting more updates than usual, fairly decent sized updates like 11.3. Oh, it's, they have been, but, but, they but But they don't mention Siri. They don't mention Siri. They don't say Siri improved. And maybe Apple should do the messaging better. Or have features to report problems with Siri, like you do with Apple Maps. You know, Apple Maps' big thing is if it doesn't, if it sends you in the middle of a one way road going the wrong direction, if you're not completely destroyed by the time you get out of it, if you're not, you know, hurt and the car hasn't been destroyed, you could report back. And they've been making steady improvements in Apple Maps. We added transit information for the city pedestrian information here every few weeks you hear a release about apple maps look how much better it is yeah but you don't hear we've just made an improvement in the back end of siri
1: or we have a way for you to report pardon if nothing else you're talking to siri you want to be able to say no you got that wrong you silly assistant
0: (laughs) well i mean i use better words (laughs)
1: <laughs> I have the best words. It's you know it's one of those things where you, it's frustrating when Siri gets things completely wrong, and it's a perfect opportunity to take feedback from the user, even if it's just a, you know, indication that this lat the last recognition attempt failed, and so, you know, as it is, there's no way Apple, we have no way of knowing. When Apple, what Apple, if Apple thinks a series working well, you know, when I do these reminders where the end result is wrong, I don't have any way of saying, you got it wrong, you stupid get.
0: You stupid get sounds like a line <laughs> in a Beatles song. Which Beatles song was that? He calls someone a stupid get, John Lennon?
1: Yeah. GIT, think, would be the, the appropriate. Uh, the appropriate Britishism.
0: Okay. The key here is, as you say, there should be a command with Siri. Siri, you got it wrong in some rough way. And that's what should be recorded by Apple. And that's something where you have the option where she could say, would you like me to report this to Apple? And you're saying, sure. It, it's not like you're giving up your privacy. You're saying, this is a bug report I'm sending to Apple. Apple takes that bug report and works on it. And in fact, if Apple just said that, came up with that feature, which I don't think is difficult or impossible to do. If Apple came up with a Siri, you've got it wrong feature, saying, we want Siri to be perfect, and we're going to set things up so that you can tell us when Siri makes a mistake, we'll record it, and we'll work on it. We'll improve it. And there ought to be a department there, just like there are departments that fix Apple Maps, and that's why Apple Maps has gotten so much better. There's a Siri fix her upper, or fix him upper department, and I don't see what's wrong about that. Instead of living in a state...
6: You can adjust many of the vision settings.
0: <laughs> Siri, you got that wrong. <laughs> let me see. Let me try it. Hold on a second. Maybe it's there and we didn't know it. Siri, you got it wrong.
18: Unfortunately, I am as yet imperfect.
0: <laughs> can you tell Apple what you did wrong? Who, me? stubborn little get (laughs) but you see what i mean here there's a way there is a way to do this and apple needs to be more upfront and honest just like it took a little time to admit why they throttled performance on iphones with deteriorating batteries eventually they do it when they had those fixes for the intel chip malware they came up with a really, really good, detailed explanation of what was going on, what Apple's going to do to mitigate the problem. Apple can be honest when they want to. Instead of saying that Siri is perfect or implying, make it easier for people to correct Siri. Yeah. In fact, work have Siri work with Apple Maps. When Apple Maps screws up, you say, you say Siri, Apple Maps took me to the wrong street. And it You need to unlock
19: your iPhone first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you should have Siri as a regular guest.
0: <laughs> Siri. listen. Hey, Siri. Would you like to be the guest co-host of the Tech Night Out Live? I'm getting here. I, I'm trying to be a straight man to a digital voice <laughs> assistant. And instead it's just turning things around completely we're talking I think about Siri and we're going to tell you who's laughing at us while this is going on in the next segment with Adam inks on the Tech Nite Owl live don't forget Tech Al plus what's tech Night out plus it's a special version of the show without the network ads prices start just a dollar forty nine a week 499 a month such a deal check out plus dottechnight dot com plus
2: Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's R O C K
19: O I D S.com. ID Stronghold wallets are different. They may look the same on the outside. They're stylish. They'll hold your cards in cash. But they're hiding something great on the inside. No, there are no pyrotechnics. And it doesn't sing when you open it but it does have magical powers. ID Stronghold wallets protect your critical information and identity from thieves standing right next to you. Anyone can buy a cheap RFID scanner online and snag your information just by walking past you. Contactless credit cards, debit cards, even your work ID badge. ID Stronghold was the first to pioneer RFID blocking technology over 12 years ago. ID Stronghold's wallets, sleeves, and badge holders are trusted by the U.S. military and the Executive Office of the President. Something the competitors can't say. Secure your identity and save 10% by using coupon code MAGIC at checkout for a limited time at IDSTRONGHOLD.com.
20: IDSTRONGHOLD.com. are you retired or facing retirement and you're afraid your income is going to be less than you'd like i'm pharmacist keith dr wallach the dead doctors don't lie guy and i want to show you a low-cost way to create your own business working around your current schedule creating extra income that will last for years to come by joining dr wallach's crusades spreading his message of better health to learn more visit radio.recordedvideo.com that's radio.recordedvideo.com radio.recordedvideo.com
21: or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message it's own plan for self-reliance. That's where my Patriot Supply comes in. Get a 4-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. 99 bucks for 4 weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from my Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. preparewithgcn.com.
0: Enough of Siri. I just can't handle Siri anymore. Okay, Siri? Forget it. Users of devices with Amazon's voice assistant are reporting that Alexa is laughing at them randomly.
1: See? It could be worse. You could have an Alexa and it could be cackling at you. I didn't buy this one bit. Amazon said there was a, there's apparently a command that you can ask Alexa to laugh and... They said people were doing that, and that doesn't jive at all with the reports, so some wires got crossed on the back end,
0: so this was nothing that uh, a random Alexa thing
1: as far as I can tell, yeah, it was just you know it, something something happened, some triggers got got you know messed up with some others, and who knows, but i you know i I have to say it has been. It is interesting. I had a we had a Google Home for a little while before we got the HomePod, and we stopped using it. And part of the reason why we stopped using it was that almost never did it actually have anything useful to contribute. Perhaps this is you know a, a commentary on what we wanted too, because you know we didn't want it to tell us about the weather. We could look out the window or use a, a real app like Dark Sky that would give you. Hyperlocal information. Um, we didn't want to tell us about traffic because we don't live in a city where there is any traffic. There were so many things where you could do something with it, but it was not actually useful. And so many of the examples are what I call bar trivia. You know, who won the Super Bowl in 1979? Oh, I don't care. You know, if I cared, I could look it up, but I don't care. It's not something that ever comes up in my life. And then so many of these things that, you know, when you get into what your your personal individual requests might be, you know, like, I actually do care who the current world record holder in the mile is and what that time is. Can you ask any of these things that? who, who You know, what's the world record in the mile? No, they don't know it. You know, it's really quite astonishing. You know, and that's one of the most uh, common, you know, running races in the world in throughout history. You know, I'm not asking for, you know, like, who's the who's the currently, the you know, the high school girl record holder in the 5,000 meters indoors? Perfectly good factual question, something I might be interested in knowing. But, you know, okay, that's getting obscure. But the mile? Really? Overall time? They don't know this stuff, but they know Super Bowls. It ends up being one of those things where it's a dancing bear. It's impressive that it dances, but it's not exactly doing Swan Lake. Well, again, it's
0: priorities. What are the priorities for these features? And what is what is Amazon's priority for Alexa? What does Alexa do well? Just sell you some new cosmetics for your wife or whatever? I don't
1: know so much about Alexa. With Google, I know that there's there's two thrusts, right? There's the answer this question you know, basically canned answers. Lots of people are going to have the same question. It can be a canned answer. But Google is all about the information, right? Google is about search results. You have to know that Google is putting a lot of effort into having its assistant be able to say, ah, there's enough keywords in this search, and I can actually come up with the answer. You see this when you do a normal search in Google, right? That It's something where it can just come up with an answer. It gives that above the search results. That's definitely, you know, if you can do that, you know, on the web, then you should be able to do it via voice.
0: Yeah, but, you know, I don't know that I want a voice assistant sitting there in the wilds in my home just listening to everything I'm doing. You see, HomePod being more restrictive, I can understand it. But even then, you know... I'm not the kind of person who's into things like Internet of Things. I don't have to say refrigerator, reduce the temperature of the freezer by one degree. What do you tell a refrigerator? It's a refrigerator. What do you tell the washing machine? Run this on permanent press cycle for 28 minutes? You go to the dryer and say, dryer, heat this thing until it's dry?
1: I don't know. The whole, whether it's listening all the time or not, I mean they have to, right? If they're going to respond to anything, they sort of have to be listening, but it's just the trigger word. So it's not like it's, you know, recording everything you say and, and you know, and and paying attention to that. But it is a situation where you have to have something you want to say to it. And so I think, you know, it is interesting in some respects to, you know, for the music side, so you can say, play the Beatles and have that work. But that's that's a that's a bounded universe. And even there, you have problems, right? I asked, uh, asked the HomePod to uh, play Sean Colvin, and I got instead Sean Cullen. Because there's in fact a lot of author, or a lot of artists whose names sound alike. You know, you can end up with with the wrong thing if it just doesn't hear you quite right or doesn't doesn't parse it properly. So all this stuff is all this stuff is tricky. But you know, the only way it's gonna get better is frankly through analyzing usage patterns and hopefully figuring out the mistakes. I mean that's the problem is if you've no way, as you were saying before, if you've no way reporting a mistake, how do, how does Apple know that it got it wrong?
0: What happens is people get disgusted with Siri, fewer people use it, or like me, other than playing ridiculous games on a radio show, all I do is restrict my use of Siri to a small number of tasks where it will mostly get it right. I don't think about it. Just when I'm playing games, I don't think about it otherwise. I have better things to do than have some stupid talking thing. And by the way, that's not because they no longer use Susan Bennett. As a voice of Siri. She was the original voice of Siri. She's an Atlanta based voice actress. And they switched that. She's no longer doing it. And I resent that. We're going to have a demonstration around the world. Bring back Susan Bennett. <laughs> I mean, she's made a career of being Siri. I think the, the legend is her son comes to her and she's a woman, you know, has a grown son. And he says, Mommy, you're Siri. And she says, I am. And because, you know, like a lot of voice actresses, she voices ATM machines and phone mail and everything. And she doesn't know. She's just recording words in microphones. So she didn't know that what she was doing formed the original voice used by the Siri team before Apple bought the company. But you see, I... Don't know what's going to happen with Siri or with Apple's TV or any of this stuff until Apple, I think, gets all this together. We know they have the Mac together and the iMac and the iPhone and apparently the iPad is doing better. The Apple Watch is the number one best-selling wearable on the planet. So we figure they kind of got the fitness thing working there. It's no longer a piece of expensive jewelry. They got that together. Apple TV, they don't have together. Siri is just fluff right now. HomePod, I think, has possibilities if they fine-tune it like that, but I just think Apple has these things running around loose, these technologies and products that are simply not complete and have a ways to go in the future direction hasn't been nailed down yet. Let's nail this down. Where do we find more of your stuff, Adam?
1: You can find everything we write for the public at tidbits.com. For those who are Apple professionals, consultants, resellers-like, you can check out our Tidbits Content Network service. Well, we'll do the writing for you. tcn.tidbits.com. Adam Inks, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me, Gene.
11: for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
18: Message and data rates may
23: apply. Remembering when to change your fridge filter is a hassle. Remembering the right filter is almost impossible. So at Filters Fast, we have some good advice. Forget it. Instead, remember this. Text BEST33 to 443-443 and check fridge filters off your to-do list forever. Get it all taken care of for a fraction of big box store prices with a Filters Fast brand filter Text BEST33 to 443-443. That's B-E-S-T-33 to 443-443.
5: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
0: Strange things happen sometimes when I talk to people. We had a couple of weird couple of weird things going on with Adam Inks when we talked to him just a moment ago. So Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer connects with me, and he said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute! My earphones popped out of my ears. I do things to people, and so he hears me, and the earphones go
24: pop like a poltergeist. So that's this like an ears poltergeist where it just kicks out the earphones." It's, it's something like that. But I, I think a part of it is that when you talk, your words have so much power that it just overwhelms my inner monitors and they fly out of my head.
0: Well, let's just hope that your brains don't fly out of your head. I understand there are a lot of politicians like that now.
24: Uh, the word on the street says yes.
0: We can't use those words because the street may come back to haunt us. No kidding. Or is that Wall Street? I forget. We, we were having fun before with the Siri follies, trying to figure out what's wrong with Siri. That article and in the information, which you have to pay for, unfortunately, and pay it's a dollar a day, $365 a year, but a dollar for one article, I guess, is sufficient. And that explains, supposedly, what happened when Apple developed Siri, and we'll get to that in a moment, but it seems like it could also be sour grapes, because you have all these people who came from Siri... When Apple acquired the company, many of them have left Apple, but none of them have done anything significant since then. They had a company called Viv, I think, that made the Bixby digital assistant for Samsung. We know how great that is. Not. But I want to ask you, why would anybody, Jeff Gamut, pay $174,757 for A job application from Steve Jobs from 1973. (laughs) A president, maybe. Maybe Donald Trump's first job application with his dad, or something like that. Or Paul McCartney tried to get a job somewhere before he became a billionaire rock musician.
24: Steve Jobs, Uh, I mean, there's interest, but that much interest? Apparently there is that much interest. Have you seen the job application? It's amazing. And when I say amazing, it's amazing that he could ever get a job anywhere. It's, it's a scribble, folks. It's a scribble, and it's so horribly filled out. I mean, if if I were looking to hire someone in, in a position and they filled out a resume, or excuse me, a job application, the way Steve Jobs did for this this, whatever the tech job was, I wouldn't even take the time to well i would set it aside so i could show it to other people that's what i would do but i wouldn't contact the person it was just amazing but steve jobs is such an iconic figure that i can see why some people would really be willing to throw a lot of money at something like this because with as Huge an impact that Steve Jobs has had on not just you and me but the uh, the the world as a whole. Wow, he he has changed our planet. So he's a very significant person, and he's held up with rock star status by a lot of people, and. Sure, I can see someone that's really interested in in Steve Jobs, and they have a lot of disposable income, would want to add something like this to their personal collection. Let me ask you a question here. Would anyone buy a book from his daughter about him? Yeah, I think so. That there's a lot of interest. Look at the books that came out around the time he got really sick and then, and then after he passed away. And then we have the movies that have come out. But the two um, movies we know about were terrible. The only yeah. one I remember at all
0: was Pirates of Silicon Valley. Oh, Pirates of Silicon Valley was a great movie. And by the way, you know the guy who played Steve Jobs, he came on stage at a Macworld Expo. This was in New York.
24: I remember that.
0: Right. And he he's done a lot of series for USA Network, Sci-Fi series, TNT. Remember that uh-huh. Falling Skies he did? Wasn't he on ER? He did Falling Skies, he did a show called The Librarians, a perfectly awful ridiculous fantasy show that's been canceled. Mhm. Noah Wiley, right? Yes. I think he's a decent actor. And I think it was fun that Steve Jobs allowed him to come on and pretend to be like a Steve Jobs hyped up on some kind of drug or something, because that's the way he came across. Like he was doing Steve Jobs maneuvers, but more
24: exaggerated. It was interesting to see that whole thing with Noah Wiley coming on stage. And I remember when that happened, um, there were some people around me that thought that that was actually Steve Jobs at first. I didn't, and the reason I didn't is, of course,
0: that I had met him once or twice, and I was sitting fairly close. hmm
24: Yeah, you, you were close. Actually, I just realized you were a lot closer than I was. I watched that on a big screen in Denver because that, that was one event that I was not able to get out to. And I was
0: sitting there like in the 10th row. I always got really close. Now who played Bill Gates? Um Anthony Michael Hall. Right. And his real name is Michael Anthony Hall, believe it or oh. not.
24: Isn't that weird? I had all the words. That's right. He was in a TV series sci-fi called The Dead Zone. I forgot about that. Um he, he also did the Brat Pack movies. Right. Yep. But and I mean he's I, kind of he's kind of
0: a modestly successful actor, doing a lot of TV and small films. The biggest film he ever did was The Dark Knight. He played a small role in The Dark Knight. Okay, he was also plays in a zombie TV show called Z Nation. He appeared okay. on Warehouse 13 as a guest. I remember. He appeared Warehouse on 13. No Ordinary Family, where Michael Chiklis plays the dad of a family that has superpowers
24: oh right okay yep yep okay yeah he he's i would say a very successful working actor
0: he's a character actor now yeah and i think as you say he's one of these people who is very busy like james remar remember look up james remar there is no day that passes where you don't see him in five different shows I mean, this guy is a working actor. He can be a heavy. He can be very funny beyond belief because he's just a good actor. And he had, you know, I I saw him one day. He's doing this new superhero show, Black Lightning, where he's a co-star. James Remar, fabulous character actor. He's one of the best character actors out there. And I think people like him because they know he's basically a decent guy. And then he appears as an admiral or something in NCIS Los Angeles. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then who knows what else he appears in Dexter's father. Right. Remember Dexter's father, the spirit of his father, that it's kind of like his conscience. Yep. I, I thought he was great in Dexter. I mean, this yep. is a guy who's just been a working actor for 40 years and he's fabulous. And these are the people, by the way, who sometimes make shows work because having him in there I'm black, white, and then gives it another dimension because he has secrets, and that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Another actor who's really good about that is J.K. Simmons, the guy who does the yes. Farmer's commercial, and he played a psychiatrist on Law & Order. He played Commissioner Gordon in Justice League, right. one of many actors to play Commissioner Gordon. He played the newspaper publisher J. Jonah Jameson in the first three Spider-Man movies.
24: I loved his Jameson.
0: Yeah, and the guy, he's another one of these very nice actors. I think he's a Midwest guy from Michigan or something. Really, really nice guy. And does all these roles. And he does justice to them. And again, he's serious. Have you seen his he's new funny. series
24: yet? I've, I saw it once. I didn't really like it. I, it was I kind haven't of had a weird. chance to see it yet. But it's getting rave reviews. So. I didn't like it. I didn't like well, it. Didn't he try-
0: plays like two versions of himself from different realities. We mm-hmm. got another reality to focus on here. And that will happen in a moment with Jeff Gambit of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
0: Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code.
25: What if Extendivite really works? But you find that hard to believe, and you spend precious time looking for someone to say, "Just try it." I have my help today because of Extendivite, and if I did not take a leap of faith and try it, well, I would be on disability today. Take one bottle of Extendivite as suggested for sixty days to find out for yourself. No need to stop any other meds you may be on. You know by now that they are not working for you. Before the sixty days are up, I know that you will feel Extendivite work. For you and will want to take another bottle. Life is too short. Get your Extendivite today. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two month supply. To get started, call 1 877 928 8822. That's 1 877 928 8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your
26: life with Extendivite.
5: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
0: So from Noah Wiley playing Steve Jobs to the best character actors out there and now the most famous character actor of all, Siri. (laughs) You read the piece in the information about the sour grapes of these Siri employees who've done nothing after Siri. The question I would have here before we have anything else, the fact that these people couldn't get a second act or they just went into another company that does digital assistance. Is
24: it possible Apple had the right idea, but the wrong technology? I think Apple had great technology, and I think that for whatever reason, there was some internal thing that happened, and they've squandered it. I think they can still recover, but they've squandered this lead they had, because Siri at the time, I mean, that was the bomb before Apple bought it, and there was nothing on the market like it. It was just astounding.
0: One of the possible explanations, because we, by the way, have contrary arguments being made. In response to the information, we have Brian Shen from the New York Times who said it really was great, but he pointed out something which was mentioned by some of the other people, including a member of the Siri team who said, you know, you're hearing a complaint here from one of the guys who brought you Apple Maps. Do we really want to take him seriously? That fellow Williamson who worked under Scott Forstall. So the issue here is, is it possible a lot of Siri's problems is not the core technology, but because it's so damned popular Scaling up, because remember here, hundreds of millions of people have devices with Siri on it. iPhones, dating Mm -hmm. back to the iPhone 4S. Amazon Echo, they've sold, what, 25 million copies? They don't have a fraction of the traffic with Alexa as Siri. Google Voice, I'm not sure, because remember, most Android phones are cheap junk. And they Mm -hmm. probably don't even use Google Voice. So Apple says something which is it's the most used in their response to the information article, and that might be the whole problem. It's just so widely used that Apple has had all these years difficulty coping with it. We have problems with iCloud all the time, and I suspect a lot of that is the scaling up of those services.
24: You know, that could be part of the problem. I think that a bigger issue for Apple is that along with this popularity that Siri's having that uh, people are looking at what they're doing with say Google Assistant or or Alexa they're trying to do head-to-head comparisons between all of these services the path that Apple chose to take with Siri and this was this was well before Siri w- was out of its beta do you remember that it was beta for a long time But uh, I I think the path that Apple chose to take with Siri is very different than the path that Google and Amazon chose. So because people are doing this head-to-head comparison, Siri doesn't do the same things in the same way as these other platforms. It's getting a bad rap. Sometimes it should, but other times it's getting a bad rap simply because people aren't getting the differences between these platforms. Well, the problem is here is, on the surface, they seem to be the same. Yeah, that's a really big problem. Because if an an average user is looking at these services, and on the surface they all seem the same, okay, well, then they're going to do head-to-head comparisons. And now that's on Apple. If Apple wants us to see Siri in in the way that they do, then they need to work on the message, and they need to work on educating us. Because right now, it's one of those things where... If someone were to walk up to me today and without giving me any extra information were to say, I want to use my voice to control my smart home, do I get an Echo or do I get a Siri compatible device? You know, use my iPhone, get a HomePod, whatever. I'm going to tell them to get an Echo. And that's because I know with the Echo, the support is there for a much wider range of products. And I also know that that more people feel like they're having higher reliability with the voice commands they give to the Echo. And uh, and actually, part of the reason that is is because Amazon has done an amazing job of teaching us the syntax we need to use when we communicate with an Echo. So it doesn't need to be smart. It just needs to be able to parse our voices well and convert those sounds into the text commands or whatever that they're using on the back end to trigger whatever the action is. Amazon's Alexa is very good at that. And yet Siri is a stunningly powerful tool. This is the kind of messaging that probably would be lost on most people. It's too subtle. It's too nuts and bolts. What does Apple do? Right. Apple has an opportunity here with the HomePod that they didn't have, I think, with iPhone and Apple Watch. And it's that now HomePod can serve as that ubiquitous voice access tool in the way that, say, an Echo or a Google Home does. So people can talk to their HomePod without having to do the, the other steps we did before. Pull out your iPhone, lift up your, your Apple Watch. And it's going to make it more convenient, I think, for people to use Siri as a voice tool. And if Apple can play that properly, they can use this as the opportunity to educate more people about what Siri does for them and why it may or may not be a better choice for their voice control.
0: How does Apple solve the Siri problem? I suggested something with Adam, just off the top of my head. Okay. And I suggested that Siri offer a feature kind of similar to what you're able to do with Apple Maps, which is to correct it, to say, you know, Siri, you got it wrong. And whatever Mm the keyword is, Siri comes on, and you say, what happened? And then Siri says, would you like me to send this to Apple? And Apple sends that recording where you explain what Siri did wrong. And Apple collects those error reports and uses it to refine Siri. Because Apple says they're using machine learning Mm -hmm. to keep it and localize the ability of Siri to recognize things. But here's where the customer gives Apple permission to have those words on file and to use
24: it in testing and refining Siri. Wouldn't that be possible? I'm sure Apple could come up with a way to do something like that. It's a—they're a very clever company with some of the best engineers on the planet. So, my my guess is they might be doing something like that to a degree, but but not nearly as detailed as what you just suggested. And I do like your idea. Uh, but if uh, if you give Siri a command and it doesn't work right, and you have to do it again and so now you're in this cycle where you're trying to, to make your, your iPhone or your HomePod or whatever turn on the lights properly, and it just doesn't work. Apple is getting some sort of anonymized data about how people are using the devices, and my guess is they have a way of knowing if they're not doing what people want. My guess is they have some of that information, but if they did something like what you just suggested, they'd be able to get a lot more data and they'd be able to find some of these problems faster and probably address them in, in a much better way than they can with the limited data they have today.
0: So maybe here, what could happen is if Siri detects you're asking the same thing over and over again, it says, would you like me to send an error report to Apple? And you have the option to say, sure, or, you know, no way, Siri, or something like that.
24: That could trigger it, too, automatically. I like that. Okay, I I think you found the solution right there. This way, you know, we understand
0: the digital assistant, their issues, and this way Apple could follow those core issues. However, if it's more a problem
24: of scaling up, that's still the server and the server farms. Hmm. Yes that that will always be an issue that I think all all of the voice assistant services will have to address. I think uh, for Apple they have an added problem, which is that while Amazon and Google have worked hard to make sure that their systems can. Work essentially as your personal trivia uh, trivia assistant. Apple hasn't taken that path, so Apple needs to help people understand that this isn't their trivia pursuit cheat machine. This this is something that's supposed to assist them in in other ways. And well, and that comes back to education. And the message that, that they're putting out. But here's something Apple could do that would give them a leg up on on Amazon and Google. And that's to make Siri understand compound commands. So, it kind of sort of does that to a degree already. Uh, well, uh, try and turn on your Hue lights to 50% brightness and have the color blue. We're going to have more. Blue or green?
0: On the Tech Night Out Live.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
2: Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget.
10: Tired of being censored by Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Patreon? Well, now you don't have to be. OneWay.com is the free speech and human-friendly social network built just for you. Stop feeding the beast. Every post you make on those evil, anti-human, anti-American perverted sites helps them destroy our families, our country, and our souls. Join OneWay today and take back your liberty. Your free speech alternative
9: is waiting for you at OneWay.com. OneWay.com.
10: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: All right, I'm not into Internet of Things stuff or kit mm-hmm. stuff, so... I don't have any idea what you're talking about here. It's just a multiple command, basically. You're asking it to do two things as opposed to a progressive step. First, give me A, then give
24: me B? Yes. So uh, I'll give you an example. If I were to to say, uh, hey, S-lady, turn on my office lights 50% blue, that's not going to happen. What I have to do is say... Hey, S lady, turn on my office lights. Hey, S lady, set my office lights to 50%. Hey, S lady, turn my lights blue. And, uh, and then all three of those things will happen in succession because I just said them. But they don't happen the way that's natural, which is to, to, to give the command and include all the parameters at once. If Apple can crack that nut then Siri's usability goes up exponentially. And that's something that we don't have uh, really in, in a Google Assistant or Amazon Alexa.
0: Well, you see, here's the thing, too, about how those systems work. And some voice recognition systems, they have you go through every tiny step. Like, mm-hmm. for example, my car is in the shop and I have a loaner. And the loaner is a totally different car. It's actually a Ford Fusion Hybrid, because in the shop for a minor bumper scrape. The auto insurance company gives you a free rental, and I'm entitled to a certain amount, so I got the Ford Fusion Hybrid, the first hybrid car I ever got, okay? It starts silently, it runs silently. It's a pretty decent car, actually, but its voice recognition system is elementary, so... If I'm going to, in a Volkswagen, call a phone number, I'll just say 555-1000, which is, you know, we always use 555 on TV shows. I would say, push the button, dial 555-1000. It'll repeat it back to me and I'll say dial, period. That's Mm -hmm. it. Or I'll say, call Gene Steinberg home. And it will respond to answer and then you say yes. With the Ford and they've improved their software, they were using Microsoft with Ford Sync before, you would say dial after activating the voice recognition. And then it would give me what commands I could use, and I repeat the number. And then it repeats the number back at me, and then it says you can say dial or this or that, and then you say dial. It has twice as many steps. So Ford's digital assistant is, to me, half as smart as Volkswagen's and a cheaper car. And it's like you're saying, you're telling Siri to do something, you have to kind of break it up into multiple steps as opposed to a single multi-step question or comment. Mm -hmm. Because you can say, you know, turn on the blue lights and
24: keep them at 30% intensity. That could be one sentence. That should be one sentence. When we get to that point, it's going to make a voice assistant much more useful. Because if you take it beyond just my light example... Imagine deciding you need to plan uh, part of your evening. So you say, hey, S-lady, find me a Mexican restaurant that's on my way to Jean's house and set a reservation for us at 7 p.m. tonight. Like if you had a real assistant helping you out, that's enough information for them to get all of that done. Siri, if it could do that, would be so much more useful. And who cares about whether or not it's your trivia assistant? At that point, it's your honest, real, true personal assistant.
0: Well, that may also be something that could be done with advertising.
24: Emphasize the personal assistant. Yes. Long term, that's much more useful than be, being able to say, "Yo Siri, who was the actor that played the red shirt commander in the Corbin Might Maneuver?" Right, but that's a silly trivia question.
0: What Apple you know can't say? Don't ask trivia questions. What they can say is, "This is show you using Siri to respond." to legitimate requests. I don't say trivia is leg- not a legitimate request, but responds to meaningful commands and train the customer.
24: But that's actually going to be harder for them to train than uh, than I realized because I just thought about how with uh, HomePod, if there's a song playing, you can ask Siri to tell you uh, things like uh, when was this this song recorded, uh, what album is it on, who's the drummer on this track, things like that, and those little bits of trivia information, Siri can just throw right back at you, no problem. So, uh, so Apple's giving us a mixed message with Siri. That's a problem. Well, because they're
0: using it to sell Apple Music with HomePods. Well, you see, we have Apple Music with HomePods. And mm-hmm. that's why you have that mixed message. But I certainly think Apple could change that or push the information, the personal part, the personal part. As yes. soon as they throw trivia, then you just confuse the message. And do people care? Do people care? I want to know
24: about this song. I just want to listen. Don't bother me with this nonsense. I, I agree but at the same time, I also look at the reaction people have had to the uh, the trivia sort of questions that they ask these devices, and that has become the litmus test for many people. If they can't get the same detailed information about whatever that question is from all these devices, the one that can't come up with that answer is the one that they think is a failure.
0: I don't know what kind of solution you can have there because I think then that Apple's going to still have to emphasize the trivia. Then again, that's really mechanical. For the most part, it's just storing certain levels of information and leave it there. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something where anyone who asks who won the World Series in 1963 is going to get the same answer. But if you want a specific answer tailored to your personal situation, that's what requires intelligence. Yes. Otherwise it's just mechanical memory. And that's something that Apple could easily retrieve no matter what, maybe it can find better ways, but again, then again, it may be a scaling issue where if Siri is overwhelmed with requests and I have no idea what capacity Siri has, that's the issue. Because that was implied with the original rollout of Siri where the comment, the tweet from Brian Chen of the New York Times, where he said, a dozen of us asked Siri questions. And she was very good. Only when they scaled up did they run into problems. And one of the Siri executives who spoke positively, as opposed to ragging on Apple, they said the same thing. Once you scaled it up, it was really hard to keep up. And they're still not keeping up.
24: iCloud has problems probably for the same reason. That being the case... Apple needs to find some people that can lead the charge on fixing this problem. Because if, if they have a really useful product that's not scaling, they need to fix that. And it, it's not like Apple is a, a little niche boutique company anymore. I mean, they're one of the biggest companies on the planet. People are using Siri every day like millions of of commands go through Siri every day. They need to step up their game and fix the scaling issue if that's actually a problem.
0: Well, also as I said, you know, my proposal for a better way of recognizing mistakes by Siri, not just machine learning, but then again machine learning might be working, but it could take months or years for us to see the difference. I think Apple needs to communicate better as to I what's agree. happening. Otherwise, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have reviewers who are going to say, okay, let's compare Siri and let's compare Alexa and let's compare Google Voice, and that won't be considered. And it's also possible to manipulate those tests knowing what Siri does best, what Alexa does best,
24: what Google does best, and emphasizing the latter two. Oh, of course. Apple has uh, has a big problem to address here. I think they have a good product with Siri. They're definitely having some issues, and we are at a phase in the voice assistant technology world where these things are still so new and so rudimentary. Regardless of everything that we can do with them today, these are very rudimentary systems.
0: More to come on the Tech Night Owl live.
20: Are you one of the 70% of Americans that want to own your own business? Afraid to leave the security of your current job to pursue your dreams? I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and myself, want to show you a low-cost way to create your own business, working around your current job schedule, creating an extra income for you and your family by joining his crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. Radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com. Radio.recordedvideo.com.
28: So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word George and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like face it today's
9: electric power grid is more vulnerable than ever from natural disasters to emp attacks and hacking the grid could be crippled for days or even decades in the most dire scenarios visit quantumharvest.net to see our built-to-last emp protected solar power systems while millions suffer you'll have vital power for water pumps refrigeration and sanitation now that's peace of mind emp protected solar power systems for every need and budget see our full range at quantumharvest.net
0: Well, Apple keeps Siri on its game. Their response to the information piece, of course, is that Siri is the biggest and the best and all that, and let's just hope that for the most part they're right. Then again, as with anything else, anything that Siri does bad will be
24: emphasized a thousandfold. Yes, and people will not forget. People still make fun of handwriting recognition on the Newton message pad. The who? You see, i want to ask you a question here. Okay. Why do we care? And you
0: wrote this article about yet another trailer for a
24: superhero movie. uh uh-huh. Yeah. You're talking about the Avengers of Infinity War trailer that, that uh, dropped on Friday morning. I'm about uh- to drop because,
0: you know, I'll watch the movie, mm-hmm. you know, but I have another question too. I'll give you in a moment. I'll watch okay. the movie. But why do I care about this trailer as opposed to any other trailer? It's a movie trailer. I mean, sometimes the first one, oh, this is the new Star Wars film, and here's the first trailer. And for a while, they said that about Justice League until they realized that Warner made some decisions about that movie that made it
24: bad. Although I haven't seen it yet, so maybe it's not as bad as I thought. I'm I'm really procrastinating on that movie. I'm going to wait till it shows up for three bucks at Redbox and then I'll watch it. But I want to watch it in 4K, but it's 5
0: 99 now, and I'd rather pay my rent than a 5 99 movie, but maybe I sure. will be able to do something like that, and I'll watch it, and then I'll see what's going on. The thing I like to see here is the way the movie companies and the TV companies kind of duplicate each other. So we have Black Panther, the movie about a black superhero that's just humongously successful, and it's gotten all these great reviews and some of the best reviews in years. It's grossed well over a billion dollars, and it's going on and on. Almost the same time, we have a TV show about a black superhero called Black Lightning. Now, they're both Mm -hmm. legitimate comic book characters. And we know, for example, that Marvel and DC Comics kind of shadow each other in their heroes. So, for Mm -hmm. example... There are going to be two movies about a character called Captain Marvel. Did you know that? There's a woman who's mm-hmm. Captain Marvel for Marvel. But there's the original Captain Marvel, who they call Shazam now. The one that right. was the major competitor to Superman in the late 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. It's called, and that is, is fun. Zachary Levi plays Shazam. And it's about young Billy Batson, a teenager, who learns the secret to say the magic words. And I think he has to have a magic ring, depending on the version. He rubs his magic ring and he says, Shazam! And he becomes the world's mightiest mortal with the Mm -hmm. red uniform and everything. And they have, there's a couple of photos on there with Zachary Levi, who was also in the last Thor movie. He's become a superhero kind of guy. You know, he's bulked up with 20 pounds of muscle. And they have a picture of him. And he actually looks the part as Shazam! he
24: does and if you go back doesn't look silly
0: yeah and if you really want to see the original there's a 1941 black and white movie serial with pretty decent special effects starring a a movie b western star named tom tyler captain marvel and it was based on a comic book where captain marvel faces a villain called the scorpion and here's the trivia the guy who created the scorpion is someone I used to know years ago in the 60s and 70s, a guy named Otto Binder, who wrote most Uh of the comic book continuity for Captain Marvel for like 20 years. He also, in 1959, created for the fledgling DC comic books The Cousin of Superman, Supergirl, and The Legion of Superheroes, and all that came out of Otto Binder.
24: So look him up. He he had a really big impact on the comic book industry. He sure did. He was also a big UFO fan. He was a sci-fi writer
0: and just a really nice guy. I met him, he must have been like in his 50s or something like that. And he's just a pleasant guy, told some great stories. And like I say, he wrote books about UFOs too. And he was honored in the first episode of Supergirl, the pilot episode, where Supergirl, when she finally debuts as a superhero for National City, She saves this plane that's going to crash, flies it over
24: the Otto Binder Bridge. I remember that, yes. Something most people wouldn't notice, but what a wonderful, subtle tribute. That's right. And his most famous character,
0: probably until, uh, is Supergirl. But he lived in, uh, he died in 1974. So I think I first met him like in the last five, six years of his life. And he, but loss. he did everything. I mean, if you look at him, he worked with a lot of the most famous comic books of the early years. He also created Jimmy Olsen's watch. Oh, okay. Yep, that's interesting. And as I said, he came up with several of the versions of Supergirl. So very, very interesting. And of course, as I said, the Legion of Superheroes. That's Monel and Saturn Girl, and all that. He also wrote stories about the Human Torch, Captain America. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how we got into this subject, but that's it. Yes, and, and, he,
24: and he wrote the original Human Torch, not the Fantastic Four Human Torch, right? Right. Yeah. That's, that is just so cool. And you knew him. And I knew him.
0: And I also, of course, I mentioned that another person I knew. You know, of course, this character in Legends of Tomorrow, and he started out in Flash, no, an arrow. A scientist named Ray Palmer. Yep. Who becomes the Atom? This robotic suit that he could reduce his size. When they came up with a character named Ray Palmer, they were honoring the real Ray Palmer, a sci-fi writer editor from the thirties and forties, who was the co-founder of a magazine on the strange and unknown called Fate Magazine. Ray Palmer. Died in the seventies, also late seventies, and I knew him as well. The real Ray Palmer. That's really cool. I knew the real Ray Palmer, not the fake one. I knew the one, the one that was the, the one sci-fi that really writer. mattered. But they deliberately honored him, and the difference, of course, is that Ray Palmer was somewhat crippled guy, really short, like four foot ten. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Ray Palmer, and just played by Brandon Ralph, is a six foot two, strapping guy. Of course, Brandon
24: Ralph, of course, had played the Superman in Superman Returns. Right. Yeah, that that was weird for me the first time I saw him as the Atom because I just couldn't shake at first his Superman character. Especially because he
0: talks a lot like Christopher Reeve did. That's why he was picked. He had a similar voice and a somewhat similar look. And as a result of that, that's why... It was really it took a while. You still think of him? Oh, that's Superman. Yeah.
24: Yep. I still do. So there you go. Have you been watching, keeping up with your trivia or not? Uh, I I I've, I've been so busy lately. And I, and I feel horribly, horribly behind on so many things. Um, I did, however, finally finish season two of The Expanse, and uh, and now I am part way into season two of Jessica Jones. More to come. Not just about Jessica Jones
0: with the Tech Night Out Live.
11: You are listening to GCN. Visit gcnlive.com today.
9: Hear that?
17: If you owe
15: money to the IRS, you need to hear this. The IRS is cracking down on those who owe back taxes. It starts with a devastating letter. And if you don't act immediately, you could find yourself having your wages garnished or have a lien placed on your property. But there's a solution. Tax 10,000 can help. Avoid enforced compliance, where these holds on your income and seizure of your home could become a nightmare that just won't end. Call 800-239-9957 now and speak to one of our experts. 800-239-9957 is the number to link you directly to a tax resolution specialist who will negotiate with the irs on your behalf working through the irs fresh start program all the forms will be handled for you all you have to do is make the toll-free call 800-239-9957 find out if you qualify and possibly save yourself thousands of dollars not to mention a lot of headaches it could be the best call you've made today that number again 800-239-9957 the service does not provide tax settlement or legal services we will refer you to a company that does provide such services often the irs will not agree to any reduction in the amount owed not all taxpayers who owe more than ten thousand dollars will qualify for a tax reduction program
29: have
4: Hey, this is Ricky from Banyan Hill. You like freedom? I do. You like money? I do too. If you like freedom and money, then you're going to love freedom checks. You see, over the next few months, an estimated $34.6 billion is up for grabs to anyone who stakes their claim. Yep, you heard that right. $34.6 billion. To get all the details, just go to www.americanfreedomchecks.com. Thousands of people are already lined up to cash in. Take Doug, for example. He's a 46-year-old from Joplin, Missouri who's set to get a check for $24,075. And if Doug can do this, I've got a hunch that you can too. But here's the thing. If you want the chance to grab your full fair share of this $34.6 billion payout, you must have your ducks in a row by May 1st. So don't wait. Get over to www.americanfreedomchecks.com before May 1st. That's www.americanfreedomchecks.com.
5: know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg
0: you're ahead of me here i haven't finished the punisher yet and jessica jones i haven't started because I've had other issues to deal with first. But I'll I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Oh, well. Let's continue with some other issues here. And this one was interesting because I don't know if you read Josh Center's pieces for tidbits. And he wrote a piece there, because he wrote the book on, you know, take control of Apple TV. Mm-hmm. And he was ragging on the Apple TV and the Sony implementation of HDR for 4K. How confusing all that stuff is. Yes.
24: Okay, so I've been able to follow that story kind of from the inside for a little while because John Martellaro, who also works for Mac Observer, he's been very deep into this as well. And and John and Josh, they they've been carrying on quite the conversation about I this whole bet thing. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, like they, they're going so deep in this. Yeah. This, this is really frustrating because this whole thing with the HDR has become such a convoluted mess. And just because you have something that supports HDR doesn't mean you have HDR support. It, and worse, of course you have two
0: HDRs. Yeah, You have Dolby Vision, you have HDR10. Some of the sets, I'm not sure which one, whether it's Dolby Vision or HDR10, one requires hardware, one could be done in software on your TV set. The second thing is, do you have an HDMI port, which I think has to be 2.0a or beyond or higher, that passes HDR? Because if not, you'll get the 4K, but you won't get the HDR. And not all TV sets have every HDR port that fully supports HDR. And part of the reason, of course, is cost. They want to keep the cost down because they want to make TV sets as cheaply as possible. Like the Vizio M series, port one does HDR. The other three ports don't. And they figure you're probably not going to need it because it's got a built-in smartcast app, which is Google Chromecast, where you could get the Netflix and the Amazon and the Vudu 4K. You don't need an HDMI port because it's built in. Or if you cast it from your iPhone or Android phone, it's going to go on your Wi-Fi connection. So it still doesn't need that port. But if you use the wrong port, you don't get the HDR. Maybe it has the wrong HDR. Maybe it has to be configured differently to pass that HDR. So you don't know what you're getting. And nobody, you know, really, normally, was it like beta and VHS? At least with beta and VHS, you knew it was different
24: because they use different... Cassettes. Yeah, are a different size, yeah. right? This what? Yeah, it's it's horrible. Uh, okay, so John Martellaro and I were actually talking about this this morning, and he was uh, lamenting the fact that the receiver he has, which supports HD, or, uh, HDR, uh, as does his Apple TV, as does his television. I mean, so everything in his in his system supports HDR, and yet he can't get HDR to show on his television from anything. It's just been this ridiculous mess. He's actually narrowed it down to a problem with the receiver he has. He has all these devices that are feeding into a single receiver to manage uh, the sound and and everything else. And it's not doing its job correctly. And the manufacturer is not being responsive to his questions. So that's another problem. I mean, which piece of equipment do you buy to make sure that everything that you want to do with HDR actually still happens. And uh, it's it's just a ridiculous mess. It's it's not like it used to be where you got your television, you plugged in your cable, and everything just worked. Now, now it's just this mess that goes beyond what most consumers can uh, even begin to deal with. Now, to make it more
0: confusing... More and more cable providers are providing built-in Netflix, but it's not Netflix with 4K. It's standard high-definition. It's Mm -hmm. high-definition Netflix. So now I want to watch Netflix. It's an app on my Cox Contour 2 and then Xfinity or something from Comcast, I forget. Point being here is I have that, but it's not 4K. But if I have my Vizio with the built-in Chromecast feature, it is 4K. It's built-in 4K. If I have an Apple TV, the 4K model, I get the 4K with or without HDR. Who knows anymore? So that's Mm -hmm. even more confusing. So suddenly I have access to Netflix from different places. But unless they all meet the standard, you don't get your 4K and you don't get your HDR. I mean, I've seen HDR. The Vizio passes through in its own built-in app, Netflix with a perfectly... Presentable interface, not
8: far Mm -hmm. off
0: from Apple TV's classic interface. I don't know about the new one. And they pass the HDR. I see the HDR. I can tell the difference. I saw it on several of the shows I was watching, and I thought it was great to have that HDR because you can see the colors are just brighter and richer and everything like that. But as you say, it becomes more and more confusing. And now that you have multiple sources for the same service, How do you know which one is going to give you what you want? You have to check the manual. You have to check this. Where does Apple TV fit into all this? I I was saying, and Adam and I were talking about this, is that these are dead-end products, Roku, Apple TV, 4K, because as more and more sets have the smart features and work with people like Google or Roku, and why shouldn't Apple do that too, to embed the features so you don't need a separate box, you won't need the separate box. Eventually, your cable and satellite company, and the satellite companies are starting now, will build in 4K and HDR in their boxes. Mm -hmm. Then if they offer these extra services like Netflix, then you won't need the extra box. It won't matter whether you have a smart TV or not, as long as it has 4K and HDR. And that will probably smooth things over. In fact, it's a good idea for a cable company or a satellite company to give you Netflix because it's free money. They'll get a cut from Netflix, they'll keep a customer, Mm -hmm. and there'll be no problem about throttling because it'll come through your cable
24: box. You don't have to worry about net neutrality. Yep, I'm with you. And I hadn't really thought about how dead-end the standalone streaming boxes were, but yeah, I can see that. The part that makes me sad about that is that the interfaces for many of these services that are on smart TVs are just horrible. And you get a much better interface on the standalone streaming boxes. So I will be sad to see the better interfaces go. But, yep, I I get it. The uh, market for the streaming boxes is ultimately uh, going to be short-lived. If they have Roku, it's going to be the Roku interface, which is perfectly decent.
0: I have the Google interface. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it doesn't have the smart stuff that you can't say, you know, S lady. I don't want to say that. You know, I will. You can't say Siri, what show is playing. Right.
16: Here are some movies playing at theaters near you. Black
6: Panther, Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. A wrinkle in...
0: Forget it. I just wanted to do that to show you how responsive she is. But seriously speaking here. It won't have all that smart stuff. But if you're a creature of habit and you kind of watch the same shows, once you set things up, it doesn't matter, really. I mean, you know how to get into Netflix, and they show you the new shows on top pretty good. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. about Hulu because I haven't used Hulu. I know about Amazon because I've used it a little bit.
24: They all work in a similar way. Right. There's
0: nothing there that's so special. And I think the more you reduce the number of things people have to connect to, the more the people will like it, the more that you embed some of these extra services or apps where they're turning Netflix into home box office or something, into HBO, mm-hmm. the more they do that, which is what they want to do, just make another channel that you pay for. I mean, you're paying already, what, HBO is what, $10, 15 So Netflix is 10 $15. What's mm-hmm. the big difference? Other than streaming. This way, the cable and satellite companies keep your business because they give you these extra services. And because you're keeping these extra services, they have more money to play around with for doing everything. It's like reversing the cable cord-cutting thing. You're reversing it because now you're embracing these services. You're coming out with your own streaming services like Dish Network mm-hmm. and TV. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit gcnlive.com today.
0: As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low cost plans put your sites on high performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer?
9: Face it, today's electric power grid is more vulnerable than ever. From natural disasters to EMP attacks and hacking, the grid could be crippled for days or even decades in the most dire scenarios. Visit quantumharvest.net to see our built-to-last EMP-protected solar power systems. While millions suffer, you'll have vital power for water pumps, refrigeration, and sanitation. Now that's peace of mind. EMP-protected solar power systems for every need and budget. See our full range at quantumharvest.net
13: Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's
9: 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. Anytime, place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business. One of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at
5: GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next.
0: I think it's going to reverse itself because the cable companies are smart enough to know what they have to do to get your business back now. I think they're getting a sense, and Netflix was the key. Embedding Netflix was a really important thing to do. Also, you got too many shows, too many services, and you work. wake up one day and say, I just wanted to have a couple of services and my TV antenna or something. I want to get rid of the cable. And then you realize there are so many different services, and each one only offers a few shows. You got to subscribe to 10 of them. You want to watch the new Star Trek show Discovery, CBS All Access, two versions of the show, by the way. There's one limited commercials and one without commercials. So five ninety nine limited commercials. and I think what nine ninety nine for one show. For one show, yep. For one show, fifteen episodes for the entire season. We offer better with Tech Night Out Plus. You know why? Because we give you a show every week and continued permanent access to a library going back several years. On the PowerCast Plus, we even have a second show every week, and we only charge you five bucks a month. I think we give you a much better deal than they do. But you see what's happening here. They're going to basically flood the market and people are going to say, this is
24: too expensive for me.
0: I have
24: to cut back. Yep, that's exactly what's going to happen. Well, you're already seeing it. Because people want to see uh, an original show on Hulu, a couple that are on Netflix, something that's on Amazon Prime, and then CBS All Access says, hey, we've got the new Star Trek show. Oh, but don't forget, you also need to have HBO so that uh, you can watch Game of Thrones and Westworld. The next thing you know, you're paying more in streaming subscriptions than you were paying for your cable bill that you're trying to get away from.
0: And then what's going to have to happen is they're going to have to make a decision, all these networks, because all these services are owned by big networks. Hulu is owned by NBC and several others. And, of course, we have Amazon, which it doesn't matter with Amazon. It's a service more than profit. They're all going to have to decide, what do we do? Netflix, I think, has a model that could last for a while. Most of the others don't. Having HBO as standalone, Showtime, CBS All Access, the problem there is the market is being saturated real fast. And with me, I don't have a very expensive cable package. I keep it cheap. And I have Netflix. I have 18 Mm -hmm. TV shows on my DVR I have not seen yet.
24: Yeah, and that's with your limited package. Yeah, imagine someone that has one of the bigger packages, plus they also have Netflix, Amazon Prime, and maybe Hulu. And good luck keeping up with your shows then.
0: At least Amazon Prime, if you're getting it to buy stuff from Amazon, you know, you get the free two-day shipping, where it does right. pay for itself because it's either, what, $100 a year or $13, $14 a month. And if you buy a couple of times from Amazon, you suddenly paid. For that service. So Amazon Video is free. The music is free too, isn't it? I've lost track. I can't keep up yeah, with this they,
24: stuff. They have, a, they have a version that's included with Amazon Prime, and then they have a separate subscription music service that has more content. Okay. Now, the other thing here, of
0: course, Apple now admits they're coming up with TV shows. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be part of Apple Music? It can't just be for Apple TV. There's no audience for that. Apple Music has 38 million people. So adding that as a value extra to Apple Music, brand new exclusive TV shows, is that the magic bullet there? Suddenly they're differentiating themselves even more from Spotify?
24: Yeah, I think that's a very big part of Apple's plan. They, they want to be seen as different from Spotify. They want to be seen as an all-inclusive entertainment service and adding in a lot of, of original content for TV shows. That's how you do that. And uh, so Apple, I don't think they're looking at Spotify as their competition in the streaming space. They've been looking at Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Hulu as their competition for for a long time. We're, We're seeing that now because they're buying up all these what have the potential to be high quality shows And they'll be available only through Apple Music or if they decide to call it something else, whatever. But for now, Apple Music.
0: They'll call it Apple Music and TV. Very simple. That's all.
24: And remember, Apple
0: doesn't need to make a profit from Apple Music. Spotify has problems. I think they're going public now soon. They have a problem. Very big problem is their model for profit really doesn't work that well. I guess with volume, it maybe it does. But remember, every time you download music, they have to send a check to the artist. And I think they pay a lower scale than Apple does. Apple, it doesn't matter. Apple is locking you into their ecosystem with services. Mm -hmm. So you sign up for Apple Music. I think the last announcement from EDQ was they have 38 million members. And the membership growth, you notice, is accelerating rapidly. And maybe because of the expectation of the TV stuff. And then they have 8 million people with the three-month trial. But on some new motor vehicles, they're giving you six-month trials. I think on the new Volkswagens or something, you get six months free Apple Music trial, just like they're doing with uh, with satellite radio. You know, with satellite radio, you get three months for Sirius XM or six months, depending on the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. Apple now has got to deal with Volkswagen six months of Apple Music. That's
24: really smart. Three months, you've probably locked someone in because of habit. At six months, the likelihood that they're going to cancel their subscription goes down dramatically. That's a smart move. Right. If that works, Apple
0: will simply work with the automakers. And doing that, they can have tens of millions of subscribers and it comes as an app on your car's infotainment system. So It'll be an app there, or, of course, if you have CarPlay. So just think about this here. Apple gets in there with the music. Spotify can't afford to do that. You know, Spotify is going to be one of these early flashes in the pan. I think, ultimately, they're either going to have to find a way to better monetize it, or eventually they'll fade off because Apple will just overwhelm everybody.
24: I think what's likely to happen, if they can't maintain profitability is that eventually one of the other big players, so Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, or Apple is going to just buy them. Apple, probably not
0: because integrating the artist agreements would be difficult. Google maybe, or maybe Amazon. Of course, Amazon wants to own everything. Uh, Right. So I could see Spotify being integrated with Amazon's musical system. But once again, you're dealing with a very complicated set. It wouldn't make sense for Apple to do it,
24: especially if they're on this other growth path. They don't have to buy a company out, except for Beats. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what Apple needed to buy. So they had their foot in the door. If they were to buy Spotify, it would ultimately be, I think, to make Spotify just go away. But that's not how Apple does business. So I, I don't see Apple as a likely contender for buying Spotify. They bought Beats for the audio technology and for the music service.
0: More for the music service. Mm-hmm. It was the same reason they bought Authentech for fingerprint technology. They bought Prime Sense to get the 3D stuff that later grew. Into Face, face ID. ID. Siri. They buy the technology.
24: Jeff Gamet, where do we find more of your stuff? You can find more of me over at macobserver.com and a lot of other amazingly talented people like John Martellaro, who I mentioned earlier. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm Jay Gamut. Uh, same thing on Instagram and on uh, other podcasts like Mac Observer's Daily Observations.
0: You can find us, by the way, on Twitter. If you look for Tech Night Owl, look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter. We also have a second radio show called the Paracast at Paracast.com. At Paracast.com, we have a special version of this show called Tech Night Owl Plus, where we give you a version of the show free of the ads, free of the network ads, better quality audio, all for a low subscription rate. It's called Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus.technightout.com plu s.technightout.com Prices are $1.49 a week, $4.99 a month. It's definitely cheaper than CBS All Access, and we're not giving you the ads. You get our show, of course, every week as opposed to a TV retread. I'm joking. <laughs> Jeff Gammett, thank you for
24: joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Uh, thanks for having me on. I always have so much fun when we get to talk.
12: The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation
7: of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad
9: time, same bad channel.